<clears throat> so, do you do you have your pass or? I uh, know I forgot you, to bring mine. Did you not get asked for it when you tried to get in here? Well, I snuck in before there was any security. But how did right. you get in? Uh, Where, I, where's your pass? Show me your pass. I don't have one. I need to see the green pass. No, I'm sorry. I'm um I had COVID. Uh, multiple times. You've had it? Yeah, uh, load of times, load of times. Show me the proof. Papers, please. Papers. Just look at me. I'm a picture of health. Uh-huh. Look at, look What's at that me. in your arm there? That's uh, that's a, that's an effect of the COVID I had. It gave me a, a sore elbow. Well. Doctor said it was a COVID symptom anyway. Yeah? Yeah. Sore elbows. <laughs> Light head. Light head. And, uh, Just feeling a bit under the weather. Yeah. And that's it. That's how you got your papers. And also a reluctance to uh, a reluctance to bow down to government uh, vaccine mandates is also a symptom of COVID. Really? Yeah. Oh, it I means you usually have. To, it means you have to be. It usually means you have to be put into a quarantine facility and have your head checked. Because that's another effect of COVID is is bad dodgy thinking. Like, yeah, it can affect. It's you know the long COVID. I think I have the long COVID because I definitely don't have right thinking going on. Like at least as far as the official narrative con- is concerned. So it may be the long COVID that is actually making me. It could be. It could be the long COVID makes you conspiratorially minded. Well, in which case I've had long COVID for a very for long, a time. long time. Long time. Maybe I was one of the first. Maybe I was patient zero. Yeah, way back in like two thousand or so. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, it's been around a long time. They never let that on. Anyway, yeah, uh, enough about You're COVID. joking about camps, but... <laughs> I know, yeah. Australia has... They're serious. <laughs> Australia's opening one up, yeah. Australia's opening one up for next... Uh, just outside Sydney. Uh, up to 3,000 beds. It'll, 500 beds will be opened by the end of this year, but fully completed by uh, next next summer. So almost a year away, they're planning the completion of a quarantine camp with 1,000, up to 3,000 beds for next summer. Next summer. Yeah. But wasn't it 15 days to flatten the curve? Exactly, yeah. But it's next summer now, uh, at least as far as the Aussies are concerned. I mean, why would they put that money into that kind of infrastructure if they weren't planning to keep it going? If they weren't planning or they they haven't decided that this is going to continue on for another year, at least, and maybe indefinitely. Who knows? Uh, But yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, before we get on to anything COVID-related, I mean... There's a bit we can talk about, but um, there's not a lot uh, that's different from from what's been going on for the past past few weeks or so. But uh, stuff in uh, Afghanistan is uh, still taking over, and um, yeah. a bit of fallout, a bit of a change from the from the the way it started and the way we thought it would end, which was that oops, you know, just a big mess, really bad optics for the Biden administration. Why did they leave? and leave all those people behind. Uh, why do they just turn it into a shit show almost willfully? If you remember, as we've talked about in previous shows, they had um, 18 months to plan and put into place this withdrawal. Uh, they signed the agreement in February uh, 2020, February last year. They signed the agreement with the Taliban, not with the Afghan government, with the Taliban, to basically hand power over to the Taliban so that they would become the new government and run the country. 
you heard nothing about it because everything from since end of February last year. Guess what happened end of February last year or beginning of March, middle of March last year? Everybody, COVID began middle of March last year. It's been the only thing, the only show in town since then. During that whole time, there has been a withdrawal ongoing of U.S., primarily because they're the major force in Afghanistan and other forces. Um, yeah, over those 18 months that COVID was dominating the headlines, you mm. heard nothing about it until, boom, a couple of weeks ago. Not uh, quite. Well, Nothing it, in the headlines. It wasn't a major the story. Average, the average person didn't know anything about it. But given what... By the way, before we go on, put the camera on me there, Scotty. I have my... Everybody should get one of these cups. Uh, I don't know if you can see that. It's got really good advice. See what it says? Keep calm and kill zombies. That's all you have to do. Don't worry about anything else. Uh, just wait for the zombies. Anyway. Zombies now. That's not a carte blanche to do anything untoward. It's only zombies, strictly, only, only, strictly yeah, speaking. They have to fit the profile. Yes. A very, very specific pro- profile of a zombie. Anyway, uh, yeah, so carry on. Uh, well, you were saying some people knew about when, it? Or? When this broke a couple of weeks ago, because of the scenes coming out of Kabul, we were like, okay, so... What's the backstory here? There's always a backstory. It might be news to most people who are suddenly, oh, Afghanistan's the news, but there's always a backstory. And that's when we found that actually there was a deal made between the U.S. State Department and the Taliban directly in Qatar in February 2020. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look, if, then if you go and look at intervening events, the Taliban have been flying all over different capitals, making deals with mm-hmm. left and right, parlaying diplomacy, etc. Well, a specific thing that happened in terms of U.S. drawdown was... Do you remember the Bagram Air Base being mm-hmm. evacuated? Mm-hmm. It got mentioned a couple of weeks ago when these scenes came out of Kabul. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you go and look at the reporting on it, you find that they left Bagram Air Base in the dead of night, indeed, but not cut and dried like we're out of here mm-hmm. on August 15th, two, Sunday, two weeks ago today. Mm-hmm. They left on July 1st. Right. In the dead of night still. It was a strange exit. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, they left uh, six weeks at least, six or seven weeks prior to the apparent sudden exit we saw two weeks ago. Right. And when I say they left, I mean, it went, the, the stories are nuts. The people there who were, you know, partly involved in maintaining security at the airport, they turned up for jobs the next, for work the next day mm-hmm. and nobody's home. Mm-hmm. It, it was that clandestine, <laughs> mm-hmm. dead of night stuff. The power had been turned off. They had uh, taken the keys of some, I heard, I think about 3,000 vehicles were left. Some of the military, like Humvees and MRAPs. At least 3,000. M- mostly, you know, like. Possibly more, a lot more. People carriers, all, all kinds of vehicles, yeah. civilian vehicles. Um, three and a half million pieces of equipment total. That can range from anything to, you know. Yep. A toilet brush to uh, military equipment. Yep, got something like thirty black hol- thirty black helicopters, or maybe not thirty, but yeah, some, something around that that number. A bunch of other smaller helicopters, black hawk black hawk helicopters, uh, kind of light uh, bomber, little jet bombers type thing. Yeah. So, but I mean, Bagram is notorious for being a black site, yeah. but it was a lot more than that. It was a small city. Yeah, they had built in two thousand six expanded into a small city for mm-hmm. U.S. and allied mm-hmm. personnel to practically live in. Um, yeah, full-time year-round. Uh, they built an enormous runway. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's, I believe it's almost four kilometers long. Mm-hmm. So 
within the perimeter of the base is a four kilometer long runway. Right. That's how big it was. But they 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 were gone. It took at least some people, certainly the lower level mm-hmm. um, people in Afghanistan, by such surprise they were gone in the night. Probably means they did not actually vacate overnight. They were doing it in stages while keeping up public appearances locally, mm-hmm. and then the last to fold, turned off the lights literally right. on July 1st. Yeah. So that's an example. People in the States are like, you know, what's happened is somehow he's managed to unite never Trumpers, neocons, Biden fanatics, the far left, everyone around the hand ringing of how do we botch this up? And the number one go-to thing is we got this completely asked backwards. Mm. The military should have been left la- the last to leave. The evacuation's done first. Right. And indeed, they did it completely the other way around. But mm. clearly, that wasn't because of some rush decision on the day. Mm-hmm. No, six weeks ago, the military left back on Mirabes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. but they were still around Kabul. Obviously, still had a... Uh, they kept know. some 600 at the Placement. embassy or near the embassy. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, anyway... Uh, anyway, here we are two weeks later. It's actually been remarkably, unbelievably calm and peaceful. Not a shot fired. Well, there were some shots fired, but no casualties reported by either Taliban or US or NATO, any other NATO involvement until last Thursday. Kaboom. Yeah. Well, there were a few people shot, but they were shot by US soldiers. Uh, on the and, day off, on, on the, the Sunday the 15th, there were people shot. Yep. And presumably there's a decent-ish story to that. There were probably some totally panicked soldiers mm-hmm. firing at horde of people who went in an area they shouldn't have or trying to board the planes like we saw on the C-130s. Yep. So I guess that explains that. There was actually an incident last week before this bombing or bombings took place. Um, it was quietly reported... Um, I, the headline is in uh, Business Insider, their source is Reuters or something. One killed, three injured after a firefight between Afghan guards. Is that Taliban? Don't know. And unidentified gunmen at Kabul airport. There's right. no follow-up to that. That took place last Monday or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So there had been some skittish stuff going on. But yeah. then Thursday was a whole other ball of wax. Yeah. Bomb goes off. At least one or two bombs, supposedly. Well, let's pull up a couple of the basic reports. So this is the MSM reports on this. There's two very different versions from Thursday to yesterday, Saturday. This is from um, uh, News.com. It's an Australian uh, report on it. So August 27th. Technically, it's Friday reporting, but whatever. It's their first sweeping here's what happens sort of story. Let's scroll down. We don't watch the video. There's nothing particularly really. It's just people being taken away from the scene. Nothing from the scene. Okay, so death toll, yeah, it's rising. We know that by now. That is established. 13 Americans were killed, almost all the Marines. And the casualty list of Afghanis is about right, 110 fatalities total. Amazingly, the third paragraph, boom, before there's even any decent coverage or explanation of what happened on the ground they know who did it well yeah. whatever okay isis attack was claimed by an offshoot of the armed group isil in afghanistan the islamic state of the khorasan province isis k isis quickie more isis k mort uh i can't read which, all which the said text. suicide bombers singled out translators and collaborators with the american army whatever oh um, thank you now i can see it um let's no anyway the attack Sc- was claimed by not yeah scroll down scroll down 
okay, the scene of the suicide, so they know it's a suicide bombing right, right. away. Okay, fine. Has been described as a massacre with bodies, blah, blah, blah. Um, oh, here's a very specific detail, right? Mohammed Hamid Paimani, a journalist based in Kabul, very detailed, very specific, recorded footage at, quote, Baron Hotel in Kabul, where hundreds of people gathered before the site, Baron Hotel was bombed. Okay, so that's one of the sites where two bombs went off. It's very clear. Baron There's Hotel, specific yeah. details corroborating it. This is outside the airport, Baron Hotel. It's near yeah, the it's airport. Yes, near, but not quite at the airport perimeter. So next. Okay, well, let's look at the next report. This is from Today, I think, BBC. What do we know? Scroll down. Okay, similar casualty list, same number of U.S. personnel killed. ISIS-K, again, third paragraph, ISIS-K claimed it. What actually happened? Okay, scroll down. On Thursday, the Pentagon said that there had been two explosions. First at the Baron Hotel, but on Friday it changed its account, saying there had only been one. Mm. Information about the attack had been quote garbled. Mm. Right. Okay. Scroll down. Happened. A very specific detail claim from the British Defence Secretary said a suicide bomber. For sure, they know what it was, who did it. Walked into the middle of families waiting outside the gate before carrying out the single attack. He's a bit more vague now. He thinks, we think it was a suicide vest and a smaller device. Okay. The individual got to the perimeter. We had pushed out the day before in response to that threat. Okay. The bomber just walked right up to it. And it was ferocious enough to blow people you know, from the site into a sewage canal. Right. Here's something people need to know about because it's become so normal uh, these days after you know, so many years, um, I suppose 9-11. But it, it's, it actually predates 9-11, the whole idea of suicide bomber, right? It, uh, it's a, it, it originated in Israel. Uh, it was a, allegedly a, a tactic of Palestinians. Uh, back in the first one, I think, is back in 1983 or something like that, allegedly, right. you know. But the problem, and I've looked at this over the years, and we're talking here about 20 years of looking at it, and the problem with, and I've written about it many times, the problem with the claim of a suicide bomber is that it's so easily manipulated. It's so hard to justify it. Or to... To, 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 to demonstrate. To, to pin down, yeah. yeah. It's it's so hard, it, it's so easy to... to, to to manipulate it either where you can just say it was a suicide bomber. Um, but the point about it is that bombs go off. These bombs are planted, either they're planted by someone or they're on a person, let's say, according to, uh, as, as per the suicide bomber narrative. But you can easily fake that and you can just say afterwards a suicide bomber did this. Um, all you have to do is put, go into a crowded area and drop a backpack with a bomb in it or a remote detonated bomb. The bomb goes off. My question in that, point, in, that, in that situation is, how does anybody for sure say that it was a suicide bomber? Someone who blew themselves immediately. up. Immediately. They know it immediately. You know what I mean? Immediately. Like you just, you just showed within, within a few hours, they're saying it was a suicide bomber. That's ridiculous. They were so to, certain they said it was two suicide right, bombers. You would have to have significant forensic examination of the site and all that kind of stuff to identify whether or not someone <coughs> actually had a bomb on them and blew themselves up. Because you're talking about people who are like, you know, not to be too graphic, but are kind of shredded in, in, in a bomb in close, in close proximity to a bomb. So you go into a, a site of carnage like that and how are you going to say it was a suicide bomber? 
Which one? Which which one of the torn up bodies was the suicide bomber? You know what I mean? It takes massive forensic investigation. Obviously, this didn't happen in this case. So this narrative about a suicide bomber is likely bullshit because it fits with the American uh, and, and Western narrative about uh, Muslims that they're crazy, not jobby kind of people who would blow themselves up for Allah, right? Yeah. And it's been that's been the way of it for so long Everyone that everybody it. believes it to be true. I mean, another situation that I've detailed in Israel uh, when they claim the suicide bombers is that you can easily manipulate some person, uh, a Palestinian, for example, uh, to to take a, a bomb. Uh, to a certain place, unwittingly, they may not know they're carrying either unwittingly or yeah, or wittingly or unwittingly, mostly probably most likely unwittingly carrying something to to a website. Take this bag to this destination. It's very important if you want to not go to jail. For example, in the case of Palestinians, Palestinians get some uh, or sorry, Israelis get some Palestinian guy who's going to go to jail, and they make a deal with them. You don't have to go to jail if you'll do some work for us. You need to take this bag down to a falafel stand in Jerusalem or in somewhere in Israel on this day and there'll be a guy there who'll pick it up for you. When, as he walks, as this guy with the bag, the Palestinian with, with the bag, walks into the store, boom, you detonated. Suicide bomber. Remotely. Yeah, suicide yeah. bomber. Uh, so it's so easily done. And uh, it fits. You, you've, ri- you've written on this and there have been, am I right in remembering that there was one or two times where there was evidence pointing to just that scenario? Uh, you're not going to remember it off the bat, but no. Well, the problem with not, in those scenarios is you don't have any survivors to tell the tale or to. But didn't to someone on the inside later say something? Um, that did suggest that? Well, I mean, there, there's there's so much to this. It's kind of like a big topic and stuff. If you pull up that sad article, Scotty, just while we're here, um, it's a sad article I wrote about. I wrote a few maybe a year ago or something. And if you scroll down towards the bottom, um, right at the bottom, basically. Right there, those guys. Uh, so this was a story from 2005, and it was in the press. On September 19, 2005, two undercover British SAS soldiers disguised in Arab civilian garbs or garments and headdresses opened fire on Iraqi police officers after they were stopped at a roadblock. This is in 2005 in Basra. Iraqi police found explosives in the British soldier's vehicle. Um... scroll down a little bit and there's actually a picture of these two guys who were caught and so these two guys were caught in a car dressed as arabs with explosives in the back heading to a market uh, and people have probably forgotten but at the time 2005 2006 2007 there were almost weekly bombings at All the markets over. in different yeah. places in iraq uh, killing civilians basically uh, october 14 2005 iranian okay you may, may or may not believe iranian news sources but anyway uh an Iraqi, this is an Iraqi army officer who had kind of left Iraq uh, and gone to Iran, said that the British military personnel and security forces were involved in acts of terrorism in Iraq. The Iraqi officer who introduced himself to the news agency said, the evidence at our disposal cannot be denied. Scroll down a little bit, Scotty. Investigations show that the British army explosives British Army's explosives and equipment were used in several instances of bomb blasts in Baghdad. That's just one small example of multiple examples that were detailed at the time by different people, ourselves included, of events that corroborate what he's saying there. That and I mean, there's, again, this is a whole history uh, of U.S. and British, and it goes way back, way before um, Iraq. There's a whole kind of a, you know, American Cold War and, and British uh, imperial kind of. Uh, 
history there about how they went about uh, kind of controlling colonies and controlling what the short version is is that when any country any western country over the, in, in modern history in the 20th century not any western country let's say primarily america and the british but also you know probably a few others primarily america and the british made a made a real uh, skill out of it where when you invade a country you have you naturally have a uh, a response eventually if you and if you invade a country and occupy it for any length of time there's a local resistance armed resistance rises up and they're justified nearly always in their grievances which is get out of our country so the tactic and this is written down there's a tactic written down by british military strate strategists um is that you have to make them look bad you have to make this opposition this resistance this local resistance in the country look bad and the way you do that is you carry out attacks in their name you carry out attacks against civilians and you demonize them as terrorists so thereby, thereby justifying your presence in the country right so you've invaded and occupied a country unjustifiably you give some narrative to the population of as to why you were invading uh, the country to your home population you invaded you, you occupied Resistance uh, over after a period of time builds up, starts to attack you, and they have a public kind of presence, or whatever. They're stating, We want you out of our country. And that's something that's fairly a legitimate claim. So, in order to de delegitimize them, you have to make them into terrorists. So, what you do is you carry out attacks in, uh, in, their, in, name. in their name, basically. And that's one example, like we just showed two British soldiers, S members of the SAS, uh, in a car in Baghdad, in Basra, in 2005, dressed up in Arab garb, garb with a bunch of explosives in the back heading for a market and they were stopped by Iraqi police and they were put in jail in a local jail in Basra at the time <clears throat> until the Iraqis could find out what the hell was going on. They probably knew very well what was going on but they put them in jail. That same day a British, two British tanks arrived with armoured personnel carriers and, oh, and yeah. air cover I remember in, that. That made drive into the Drive into the wall of the prison, break it down and take them out and that's the end of it. Yep. But not before that picture of those two was released by the Iraqis. Right. So it's just a little snapshot of the kind of thing that goes it's on. And the reason we're saying this is we're going to talk about this in the context of what's just happening in Afghanistan and Kabul. Uh, yeah, and maybe this is to be mentioned later. I hope we're not preempting. But now that you've mentioned the SAS, they have announced the British military that the SAS will be setting up shop in the mountains between Kabul and the Pakistani border. As a result of this attack this by atrocity. ISIS, because we have to now stay in Afghanistan to some extent in order to fight the ISIS terror threat. Does that remind anybody of anything? We have to stay in or go into this country, maintain a military presence in order to, quote-unquote, fight ISIS after some kind of an attack. Right. Is anybody getting the script here? Is anybody reading the script, the same script you keep getting? Anyway. Uh, Let's look at a photo of the alleged bomb site. Now one bomb site, not two. Um, this happens in those <clears throat> in some kind of perimeter. It's just inside the perimeter. It's the place where you've seen lots of footage of long queues of people. They're all trying to get to. Or you, let's say, assume I'm not sure, but let's assume the U.S. checkpoint is up ahead, in front of us. There, that's the gate to get into the airport. And there's what hundreds of people at any one time queued up here in the heat. And that's a canal alongside you, and a canal next to it. And that's that's the perimeter fence on the left. What you're looking at there is a some kind of Afghan guard. The next day, hands on hips, going, "Oh, so here's." That is the only photo, or the clearest photo of the site of an of alleged blast, blast yeah. bomb blast by a suicide bomber that killed mm -hmm. 110 some people, injured, injured 150 more. Okay, so notice there's no scarring. Right, the wall is totally intact. Yep. The green sort of um, plastic sheeting that goes around or on the outside of the uh, chain link fence is still there. 
Um, so since the Western media doesn't really provide much detail on this except the talking points and the, you know, the stuff that people are expect to hear, ISIS did this bomb attack, you know, just show some pictures of injured people and stuff, and that's all you get. Let's go to the Twitter. Uh, go to Secunder Kemani Kemani on Twitter. Uh, let's play that one. So this is an eyewitness at the scene, and let's see what he says. Distraught relatives search Kabul's morgues looking for their loved ones. This baby you managed to save? Yeah, yeah. But there's another baby? Amongst those killed, Mohammed Niazi, a taxi driver from London who had travelled to Kabul to try and help his family get inside the airport. His eldest daughter and youngest child are still missing. His wife was also killed. His brother was at the airport alongside him. I saw some small children on the river. It was so bad. It, it, it was domed there for us. Many of those we meet say their relatives weren't killed in the blast, but by firing in the confusion afterwards. They believe by foreign soldiers. Somehow I, I saw the American soldier and, 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 and decided this there were Turkish soldiers. So the, the fire come from the bridges, like the towers. From the soldiers? Yeah, from the soldiers. America's Department of Defense didn't reply to our request for comment. All the suicide bombing claimed by the Islamic State group would have ripped through the densely packed crowd, causing panic. IS has repeatedly bomb, yeah. launched devastating attacks in yeah, the city. Yeah, that, that's the end of that one, right? Um, the blast two-year-old Mohammed Reza I think there's some more. Hang fighting on. for his life. This looks set to be one of the deadliest incidents ever in this horrific conflict. Yeah. So many of the victims, We're just looking for those who had worked with the international community, Noor Mohammed had been employed alongside American the forces. Volume the guy has served U.S. Army for years, and the reason he lost his life, he wasn't killed by Taliban, he wasn't killed by ISIS. U.S. Army starts shelling. How can you be sure? Because of the bullet. The bullet went inside of, of his head, next to, right here, near to his ear. He didn't, he didn't have, he doesn't have any injury. These are Noor Muhammad's eight children. Yeah. He'd hoped to give them a there, better sorry. life. Um, and just go to the next one. So that basically, yeah, the, you know, he's basically saying that both of them said that the soldiers were killing people. Uh, soldiers on the towers above, on the wall above where, the, where a bomb went off. They then killed a lot of people to report uh, the story. I think it might be the next one. Just go to the next one. Um, the, yeah. آیا همه از اینا از خاطر انتحاری مرده بودن یا کار چیز دیگه شما نه ما خو ما خو گفتم ما خودم نظامی هستم سای منصب هستم وقتی که من یارا ما خودم بررسی کردم یا یک تا مگر هر کدامش رویش واز کردم سیل کردم وقتی سیل کردم ما شما اگر از نگاه امو مسلکی بگیم کرمنال تخنیک وقتی که من بررسی میکنن انتحاری اگر میشه و بعضی کسا میگفتن که از پشت سر که کلاشینکوف خود دایشیایی زده بود اما نه از پشت سر یکیش مرمی نخورده بود هر چی مرمی خورده بود از طرف بالا مرمی به این شکل آمده بود در فرق خورده بود در گردن خورده بود در سینه خورده بود از این پایان نخورده بود به معنای از که تمام مردم جق بودن دیگه جای برای مرمی خوردن نبود فقط از سینه به بالا تمام از یارا امریکایا از مو قسمت زده بودن که مرمی حسابات کرده بود کسایی که دوستایی که مسلکی هستن و خوبتری را درک میکنن 
تمامشون فقط توسط مرمی آمریکایی یک 20 نفر شاید که از این جمله 100 نفر انتحاری زده باشه که پارچه پارچه شده بودن دیگه تمام نیازی توسط مرمی یک مرمی دو مرمی و بسیاری دوستا اش Which kind of makes sense because, you know, uh, so there's one, there was one bomb, officially one bomb went off in amongst this group of people outside the perimeter walls. And that bomb, I mean, it, it's, it wasn't a massive bomb. It wasn't some kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, thousand pound bomb or anything like that. It was a relatively small bomb, probably placed there by someone, probably not a suicide bomber, uh, placed there by someone. And, um, and to back up why we think probably not a suicide bomber, you've got to understand how tightly this airport yeah. operation is controlled from both ends. Yeah. And they have both been talking about it and they've both been saying their cooperation is excellent, mm -hmm. which is pissing off a lot of people in America because mm -hmm. they don't want to hear about our awesome cooperation with the Taliban. But the fact is, for two weeks, both sides have an amazing agreement that's been held tightly about the Taliban on the outside controlling who gets in to the best of their ability at that point mm -hmm. and vice versa from the U.S. side. Mm -hmm. So a suicide bomber isn't just going to walk in here, most unlikely. Exactly. At one of the, the only most intensely surveilled places in the entire country. Right. Exactly. Right outside the perimeter of the airport, all it takes is someone within the perimeter of the airport, a someone attached to the U.S. forces. Or, I mean, you can imagine how easy it is for anybody, any with, anybody with official credentials to get into the airport and be there. You're literally talking about someone just dropping something over the side of the wall. In amongst a group of people. Or and, drone. Or, well, if you need that, but even just dropping a bag with a bomb on it over the other side of the wall in amongst people. People don't know what it is to see a backpack dropping on the ground. Nobody's even looking, right? It's, it's, it was, I think it was evening time, right? Uh, uh, Six-ish, not nightfall, yeah. Six-ish. Drops a bag, whatever, and it's, time, and it's like 10 seconds, you know? Uh, it's got a 10 second timer on it, 20 second timer, 30 second timer, it blows up, it kills a bunch of people. It's going to kill a small number of people because unfortunately, bodies, or fortunately, or unfortunately, bodies insulate obviously so you're not going to kill there's a lot of people crowded there are hundreds of people it's going to kill like that guy said maybe up to 20 people or whatever uh maximum depending on the size of the bomb but then the actual numbers that they're talking about 130 140 people killed fits with what that last guy was saying was that 80 plus people were shot dead from the towers above by by and i mean at that point when you try and say that it's just oh a bomb went off and then u.s soldiers started opening up in the confusion or something or maybe there was someone shooting back at them or something like that and they ended up killing all these people that have been watching all day people watching these people all day for two weeks for all day for two weeks standing outside they're going to go and shoot like 80 100 of them that's that's not that's not that's not the uh, chaos or confused fire or anything like that that's you know there's something else was going on there for, for sure you know uh we just had a question from daniel who's who's watching who said what he doesn't understand the, the rationale for uh leaving <coughs> leaving what was the question the uh, just a little bit above he said um i think i saw it uh, sorry i haven't really been following what's been happening in afghanistan but why pull out all why pull out all your military forces only to later launch false flags and go back in? Why bother with pretense? Yeah. Well, well, I think he's assuming here that the motive for carrying this out is actually to justify returning and or and or never leaving. No, but that's not the case. No, the, the motive is to maintain some kind of a presence in the country to establish, to set up, to transition from uh, an occupation, a costly, messy twenty young. A twenty-year-long occupation that was no longer tenable, to uh, something akin to uh, terrorists turn the country into a terrorist haven. You leave, 
but you ensure that you seed you, you sow the seeds for it to be a, a country that's overrun with terrorists or that has regular terrorist bombings that under the under the rationale of the U.S. war on terror, the U.S. can continue and its allies can continue to have some kind of a you know over the horizon or whatever you want to call it or small presence in the country where they carry out regular drone strikes that they have been doing for for many years. They can continue to make sure that Afghanistan or they can make sure that Af- Afghanistan continues to be uh, uh, unstable, a destabilized country. They wish for the purpose of, as you've said in previous shows, the purpose. The whole reason that the U.S. was in Afghanistan from the from the very beginning was to thwart uh, what we generally term Eurasian integration, but specifically um, Chinese expansion, Russian expansion in the region, and the knitting together of those countries with Afghanistan in the kind of center, the knitting together of of those countries economically, politically. Uh, that would then, for lots of different reasons, it's a different topic, but. It's one we've talked about and I've written about before as well. Uh, the idea of Eurasian integration, where you would have a cooperation between all the major countries and the major countries in terms of uh, wealth primarily and population size, where they would all cooperate together, and that is a threat uh, from uh, economically or politically or whatever way you want to call it. But I mean, it's basically Cold War. It's the reason they had the Cold War. Uh, whatever you understand it, the reasons other than communism, that the U.S. fought and, and waged a Cold War for so long. This is the Cold War too, and it's the same, basically, criteria that justify or, or motivate Cold War Two as Cold War One, which is control of Central Asia. And Afghanistan is as, as a key point in Central Asia. They've occupied it for 20 years in order to, to just, like we said in previous shows, just squat in the country and prevent uh, cooperation and integration, Eurasian integration in the region between Russia, China, Iran, Pakistan, India, then all kind of getting together and forming a block. You can stop that if you occupy that part of the world and don't let any, because there's a big part of it is like Chinese expansion westwards towards Europe with its one belt, one road system. There's all sorts of other oil and gas and projects that, and, and uh, uh, resource extraction projects that would that would have gone ahead if the U.S. hadn't been sitting in Afghanistan and destabilizing not just Afghanistan but the entire region from there. Um, they don't want to do that in the way they've done it for the last 20 years. So the alternative is, yes, we can leave, but we're going to make sure that Afghanistan doesn't get back on its feet. That Afghanistan remains a country that is plagued with terror attacks. Yeah, I think the, the Washington Post editorial from yesterday mm-hmm. um, indirectly gave gave you some idea of the motive. You have it? I don't, but I'll read it just quick. Despite its brutality and harsh Islamic codes, the Taliban was accepted by many Afghans who had lived under its rule. Send them the link. Okay. Um, that'll take that. Hang on. Uh, Okay, let's have a look at this. Is the Washington Post giving us some idea of what um, of how Washington thinks about these things strategically? I'm not saying the reporter had any clue, but inadvertently they always give it away. So let's scroll down, and see the first paragraph. There you go. It's despite its brutality and harsh Islamic codes, the Taliban was accepted by many Talibans who lived under its rule for a singular reason. The militants were thought to provide better security than previous governments. 
By Friday, that perception had been seriously damaged. And then they pull out someone, a 33-year-old Sadiq, a photographer, blah, blah, blah. He says, when the Taliban took control of the country, they promised us security, and now, nothing. So it, that seems to be what <clears throat> one aspect of this is, is to kind of, on the way out, is to say to Afghan population, you'll never really be safe with these guys. You know? Show me the title of the article, Scotty, that one right there. Okay. Is that, is that the one you just put yeah, up? Okay. Yeah. Uh, volatile Afghanistan. Show me the, the one I just sent you, Scotty. Stick that up, will you? Uh, it just speaks to what I was saying. Uh, you can... Uh, well, okay. Just go. It doesn't matter. It's okay. China and Russia, the Financial Times, China and Russia poised to step into the Afghanistan gap. Uh... I don't know why you don't get that, but anyway, Biden's the, the underneath it, it. The subheading is Biden's withdrawal of troops opens a door for Washington's greatest rivals to extend influence. All I have to do is read the mainstream media to understand the point that I was just making. It's in. It's not publicized by much of the mainstream media, but it is in the mainstream media, and they're already talking about it. They're talking about it since uh, the whole business with Kabul and the American withdrawal has has, has been ongoing. They've already. Several people, several mainstream media journalists have penned, uh, you know, screeds on this precise topic that, oh no, kind of hand-wringing, oh no, Russia and China are now going to get into Afghanistan and uh, basically uh, ex extend their influence and that's a problem. They don't go into detail why that's a problem, but if you do a little research, you can figure it out pretty easily. And like I said, that's the very reason that the US was in Afghanistan for the last 20 years. We have to, I, know, I suppose we have to remind people that the war on terror was a load of bullshit. I mean, this is how, how, how bad it is, how, how long it's gone on. The war on terror is, is a fraud and has been a fraud from the very beginning. It's basically a justification for imperial expansion around the world and the great power games, i.e. In the, in the 20th century, those great power games between being, being, being between America and its allies, primarily America and the, US, America and the UK, against Russia and China. Uh, that's the long and the short of it. It's not rocket science. It's not complicated. You just have to get over the idea that America was ever fighting a war on terrorism. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so there's a massive hole here in this story. Um, yeah. Did, did, would you care to offer an explanation as to how 13 U.S. soldiers were killed? In a bomb. But the sight of it. Yeah. They don't show you that sight. There, there's no U.S. soldiers down there. That's where the, the Afghan civilians were. Yeah. I, I can't see how, why you would have 12 Marines in amongst them. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. In, in, in close concentration. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard. To, I don't want to go too far and try and, you know. And remember, it's a tiny bomb. I know. It just made a tiny hole in the, the green fence thing. Yeah, I don't want to go too far and, and, and undermine the entire official story as to what happened and, and suggest that no US soldiers were killed, of course. No, I'm because, pretty sure they Because have. they probably because were. They released names and uh, photos. Yeah. yeah. Um, how that happened, I don't know. But again, you're not going to be told. They don't generally tell you. They tell you how, how civilians were killed, but they generally do, the military has a kind of secrecy thing going on there. And they're not going to show. They don't show you pictures. It's extraordinary. When was the last time you saw a picture of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of, the, of an attack against American or British soldiers when you saw uh, Amer American British soldiers dead? They don't show that. You don't get to see that. You've never gotten to see that. Well, Mogadishu, 1992. That was the last time. Yeah. So... Yeah, so uh, obviously, in the, you know, the, the, tra the, the kind of trap closed on that one. Uh, 
they, they, they figure that out afterwards that, you know, it's bad for morale to show that kind of thing. So you don't get to see that kind of thing. So you just have to take their word for it, basically. And I don't think there's any reason not to take their word that a U.S. soldier 13 or so were, were killed. But again, the question of how all this happened is very, is very uh, vague and suspicious. And the timing of it is suspicious. And it feeds into the feeds into the narrative that they want to establish that I just explained, which is that, uh, well, I mean, in a certain sense, it takes a it 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 removes focus or it reduces the criticism, let's say, to some extent, at least in some circles, on the Biden administration for this whole shit show and the, the very bad optics that the whole evacuation of, of from Kabul uh, has created for the Biden administration over the past couple of weeks. It kind of takes away from it if you introduce, introduce ISIS killing people. Because the narrative, like the, the image, if you break down the image for the Biden administration over the past two weeks is that the Biden administration has been killing people indirectly killing innocent Afghanis. Right. Introduce ISIS, everyone's favorite terrorist group, uh, killing civilians. Well, then it's like, oh, okay, it's like, it's not just us killing people then, and maybe part of the reason that it's all gone so badly is because ISIS is there, and it's a very dangerous situation, and we're better off out of there anyway, but we're going to have to keep some kind of a presence because... We have been fighting the quote-unquote war on terror and we need to continue to do that because the whole idea of the war on terror is that we need to fight our terrorists over there before we get them back here, blah, blah, blah. So that's gonna, that's what's going to happen. They're going to maintain a presence on the basis of this one attack. Yeah, but we need to clarify. I think he, the, the question is confused. As, what do you mean by presence? If they're leaving with all the material, what do you mean by – it's going to be mostly remote. The way they did it in, in um, well, Pakistan under yep. Obama – was they had a group called the TPP or TIP, Tareki Pakistan or something like that, or Tareki Taliban, where it was a new, previously unknown offshoot of the Taliban pouring over from Afghanistan back into um, Pakistan, blowing up hospitals, mosques, um, anyone okay. who's not wearing the right... Yeah. So on. But it justified droning the place yeah. or, from afar well, without having to send in... Well, a presence. But no, sending no. a presence is an overt military presence of thousands of troops or at least hundreds of troops. I'm talking about a presence in the form of a small detachment of specialized, okay. uh, you know, uh, Navy SEALs, the kind of guys who uh, supposedly uh, killed Osama bin Laden, who maintain a base in the east or the west or some remote part of the country. And I'll sum it up by saying the presence they'll be maintaining is a presence that will facilitate ISIS terror attacks. Is that good enough? Yeah. The Americans and the British will maintain a presence in Afghanistan that will facilitate, quote-unquote, ISIS terror attacks in the country to continue to keep the country destabilized yep. to prevent Eurasian integration, yep. which they've been trying to prevent for the past 20 years. Exactly. And this is, the, if you position this now against the narrative of the last two weeks, amidst all the hand-wringing is a lot of, oh my God, now that we're leaving, Afghanistan is going to turn into a terror factory again. Mm -hmm. Now... The Taliban's position is very clear it's from the beginning. It's no, get out of our country and this country will stop being a terrorist factory. Mm -hmm. Leave. Just please leave. So it's the direct opposite. And what have we seen in fact? You know, before this, the last atrocity was on May 8th in Kabul. Someone blew up a bomb at a, a, a girls' school, killing about 30 young girls. No one ever claimed responsibility. 
formally in any kind of whatever formal means in this murky world of yeah. ISIS-K and, and different variants of ISIS, right? Yeah. That was just left like that. That's made several months ago with the US withdrawal underway, Taliban cooperating, all's going to plan, then an interjection, just, just a massacre for its own sake. Mm -hmm. But it's meant to leave a catalog, a backstory of, well, we can't fully leave. Right. Because look, a terror can strike at any moment. Yeah. Kind of thing. When um, you've been in a country for 20 years, your infiltration into that country is really, really profound. And talk of them leaving, yeah, they're removing their overt infrastructure, but the Amer Americans and British, at the very least, will definitely maintain a presence in Afghanistan going forward. A small presence, and they have the ability and the, the, the know-how and the history in the country to maintain that kind of a presence. Taliban or no Taliban, they can do basically what they want. They can do it from Pakistan, like you've been saying. Yeah. Pakistan is basically, you know... Uh, a kind of home away from home for the for the CIA and the Brits, you know what I mean? So, Especially the British, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Speaking of strange coincidences, that CNN report. Yeah, Anders Cooper. Let's get Mr. CIA up there, Scotty. Um, two weeks prior to the attack in Kabul, CNN's Larissa Ward, God bless her, interviewed a senior ISIS-K commander. Now, consider this. You're going to watch this video. Consider that two weeks prior to the attack in Kabul and two weeks and, and before even the, the FUBAR, let's call it, of, of the withdrawal, CNN was in, before this came under anybody's radar, that anything was happening in Kabul, that there was any evacuation of anybody, CNN's Clarissa Ward was in Kabul talking to an ISIS-K commander, who apparently you can just get their number somehow, call them up and say, hey, you want, an want to have an interview? And he'll say, yeah, sure, I'll have an interview with you. I'll tell you what's going on. And um, and this is the same people, I suppose. If the CNN can do it, then you would assume the CIA and the American government, they have an understanding of the whole situation as well. But apparently they don't. They can, they can set up an interview with an ISIS-K commander in Kabul, but they don't know that when they leave, the Taliban is going to sweep in and take over cities in, in the country. That bit of intelligence, sorry, couldn't figure that out. Didn't know that was going to happen. It was complete, completely blindsided us with no idea that was going to happen. But we did know where the ISIS commanders were. We did have their phone numbers. We could pass them on to, to CNN and we could get her to have an, uh, an extended interview with an ISIS commander in Kabul. Not only that, but in hours of the twin suicide bomb attacks on Thursday, whoosh, precision drone strike that takes out a, the commander yeah, we got and him. the facilitator yeah. of the operation. Yeah, Done. We got the guy. Within yeah. hours. Yeah, easy peasy. Knew who it was immediately after the fact. Had no idea beforehand. Uh, let's listen to some wonderful uh, news reporting from CNN. Two weeks before the attack, just days before Kabul fell to the Taliban, we were in touch with a senior ISIS-K commander who said the group was lying low and waiting for its moment to strike. Ew, what's it? turned out to be eerily prophetic. Eerily prophetic. So this commander has said that he'll do an interview Jesus. with us at a hotel here in Kabul, and he says it's no problem for him to get through checkpoints. Who got whose phone number? To the capital. Yeah. To prove his point, me, he, wouldn't he let chop us my film head his arrival into the city. Abdul Munir, as he asked to be called, is an ISIS-K commander from Kunar, 
the heart of the terrorist group's operations. He spent time He agreed to talk on the condition that we disguise his identity. And don't tell anyone. In the Kabul hotel, he told us he's had up to 600 men under his command, among them Indians, Pakistanis, and Central Asians. Like many of his foot soldiers, he used to fight with the Taliban, but says they've fallen under the influence of foreign powers. We were operating in Taliban's ranks, however, these people were not aligned with us in terms of belief, so we went to ISIS. Do you think they're not strict enough with their implementation of Sharia? You see, they can't present one example where they have enforced fixed Islamic law punishments, where they have cut off a thief's hand, have stoned to death an adulterer, have stoned to death a murderer. They cannot enforce fixed Islamic law punishments because they are under other people's control and they implement their plans. So we do not want to implement someone else's plans and we only want to enforce Sharia. If anyone gets along with us on this, he is our brother. Otherwise, we declare war with him, whether he is Talib or anyone else. So have you carried out public executions, suicide bombings, things of this nature? <laughs> yes, I have too many memories where I was present myself at these scenes. One memory is that the Pakistani Taliban had come to the Nazia district, and during the fighting we captured five people. Our fighters became overexcited and we struck them with axes. It's that chilling brutality that made ISIS-K a primary target for U.S. forces. In recent years, airstrikes and special forces operations have ruthlessly targeted the group in Kunar and Nangahar. Has your group engaged in any fighting with U.S. special forces? Yes, we have faced them on many occasions. We had close combat with them, too. They used to land in Aachen. In Kunar, they carried out airstrikes. We have faced them a lot in firefights. Are you interested ultimately in carrying out international attacks? <laughs> this point is higher than my level. I can only give you information about Afghanistan. With U.S. forces out of the country and the Taliban potentially in control, do you think that will make it easier for you to expand? Yes, this exists in our plan. Instead of currently operating, we have turned to recruiting only, to utilize the opportunity and to do our recruitment. But mm. when the foreigners and people of the world leave Afghanistan, we can restart our operations. Yeah. That moment All right. has now come. I think that's enough. Is it? Yeah. That's just to, to give you an idea of the kind of bullshit that CNN puts out. Who that guy is, nobody cares, uh, nobody knows. And um, it could be anybody, basically. <coughs> uh, he could be a member of the Israeli uh, military, for all we know. Uh so easy to set up, and uh, yeah, this here with you know. Are, are you interested in? Can I inter? I, I almost thought, I almost thought she said, "Can I interest you in carrying out international attacks?" Because that would make awesome <laughs> media coverage for me. That would I would probably get. A, I might get a Pulitzer. And can I get an exclusive? Can I get an exclusive of your next international terror attack? The thing is such a joke. Uh, it's ridiculous, and you put that put put that in context. You know. Um, that happens. It's a, it's a show. It's a theater. This is basically theater. And that's set up before the quote-unquote collapse of Kabul. Right. And then they show it after. Yeah. They air it after. Right. Just at the ISIS right time. Strikes. At the right time, yeah. Why not before? I don't know. Yeah. Just to give a backstory. Although I said there was one bombing back in May, there's actually very little. I mean, there were a lot of atrocities over recent years, but um, ISIS wasn't needed, let's say, you know. Until yeah. until now, yeah. It's always strange how they pop up when they're needed, mm -hmm. and uh, 
I mean, what's if there on the face of it? There's no political gain to be had from it. No, when they're needed to justify, and there's this no political gain for any Muslim, Afghan or otherwise. Exactly the opposite for them, for people of Afghanistan. Like you know, the CNN's big up on these people, and and you know who's who's supporting them. Well, we know who's supporting them. Who's supporting supporting ISIS? Who financed, trained, funded, armed ISIS effectively? The so-called anti-Assad, you know, revolution. Uh, in Syria, starting in 2011 and lasting for five or six years. Who, who funded all that? It's, you know, it's pretty well known that it was funded, trained. They were funded, trained, armed by, among others, the Saudis, uh, the Israelis, the Americans, the Brits. They funded a jihadi army to run rampant through Syria in an attempt to overthrow, well, an attempt to defeat the Syrian army and overthrow the Assad government. That's what the Syrian quote-unquote civil war is about. Uh, so they have uh, a lot of resources to finance these kind of groups and put them into countries and have them do, do whatever they want them to do, basically, in order to achieve their, their geopolitical objectives. And they've been doing that for a very long time. And this is the problem. Most people don't understand this, but most people haven't under read or, or researched the history and looked at the history of this that goes back literally 70 years and how this is a, a major part of the infrastructure of Western military operations in other countries it's basically the 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 conspiracy term false flag uh, operations is is a is a basic reality of military operations and always and has been like i said for a very long time for decades if you don't understand that then you don't understand anything that's happening in the world today and you probably don't understand what's happened over the past 70 60 60, 70 years Uh, and you can't interpret anything you see happening today without that understanding of the historical context in which it sits and, and and which it is a part of so um Instead, but that's why we're here. That's why we're here. But instead, it's interpreted by most when they see breaking news, Kabul bomb blasts claimed by ISIS, <clears throat> people massacred, including U.S. soldiers. They go, well, I just knew it. Yeah. Biden, you ass. You took us out all wrong. Everything's gone wrong. Look at it. Mm-hmm. It, it, it. This reinforces my belief about Muslims generally. This reinforces my belief about the Taliban. What it was ISIS, whatever. Turbans. Durka, yep. Durka, Muhammad, Jihad, they're all the same. Yep. And, you know, it reinforces my belief about why it's kind of confusing to Americans, why we shouldn't be there but should be leaving with honor. That's the right. big thing they've all said. So, And it's not just but, about imperialism. It's, that's directly against the actual – if they were bothered to spend a little time watching the news in the last week, it's remarkable. The, the reality is, in fact, remarkable in how peaceful and cooperative the exchange between all NATO people still there. Yep. And Taliban people, yeah. Taliban have a tight leash on this. Like one of the one of their messages, nonstop for two weeks, is just please leave so that we can secure. Because in places where we're in charge, there really shit does not happen in general. Because we know people, they, people inform us. We have eyes on the ground everywhere. But one of the last few places we don't have eyes on the ground is this goddamn airport. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know it? Inside the perimeter, the one place they don't have a good control over. That's where ISIS gets. And that's gets what in. ISIS manages to get through. Yep. So who's who's the the, the, the the leaky sieve here? Is it the Taliban because they all look the same and they're all Muslims and sure they're all together in some way or another? Or is the leaky sieve the security structure through which yep. agents can operate through? Exactly. Who has the means? Yeah. And the motive. For sure. And uh, and it's not just about imperialism. Uh, in the past ten years or so, or, or so that uh, as people know. Uh, through through 
you know, traumatic experience in their own countries, in Western in Western countries, Muslim terrorism, uh, essentially created by Western powers, has been brought home to to European and and American, but mostly European countries, uh, in the form of ISIS or other Muslim group terror attacks, where they basically killed civilians back at home as well. So it's also as it started out as a technique to justify imperial expansion. Uh, i.e. fighting terrorism, it then was brought back home in order to terrorise local populations through, sim- through, through the same kinds of terror attacks uh, carried out by so-called Muslim groups uh, being carried out in, in Western capitals uh, and killing Western civilians to have, the, have a, a new and different impact uh, on local populations. So it wasn't, obviously it's not terror attacks in Europe aren't to the extent that, as we understand it, are, are facilitated by Western intel agencies. They're not about imperialism. It's about controlling uh, local populations through fear. And that then has expanded, has transitioned into the COVID era uh, over the past 18 months. But just before we leave Afghanistan, uh, we shouldn't be too critical of Western politicians and how they're handling this and thinking that they're a bunch of disingenuous, corrupt, lying psychopaths, right? Because we have a good example here. I think it's from David on Twitter, Scotty. Uh, This is the UK Prime Minister and the Defence Secretary, Boris Johnson and Dominic Raab, who flew in to save the day into Kabul, into into, uh, the US's... uh, or maybe, maybe they're not in uh, Kabul. No, 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 no they're no, in I was UK. kidding. No, sorry, they're, they're in the UK. I think they walked down the street to the foreign office. Yeah, they're in, the, they're in some centre uh, in the UK that's coordinating, supposedly, uh, the, that was coordinating the UK's evacuation, um, well, evacuation farce. Um, and let's just, yeah. Is it a farce? 120,000 well, people evac? Yeah, no, not a farce, but just in... In terms of in the, in the entire context of it, yeah, uh, and how they're reporting on it, uh, let's just let's just watch uh, the, the 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 cream of the crop here from UK political class. How are you doing? You all good? Yeah, What's happening? Well, uh, are you are you the guys who are being inundated with all the emails from everywhere in the world saying please help my son, mother? A lot of distressed people saying that their family is being left behind and obviously wanting to bring them back. Do we know whether the ground has thinned out yet because of the terrorist attack? Um, I thought it was extraordinary that they all stayed. Amazing, amazing. Bloody marvellous. Pause that there. So you had... uh, (laughs) What did did he say? Are you the guys? Are you the guys who are getting all these emails from all over the world? Uh, people saying, get me, get my brother. and Yeah, I've had a few myself. Wonderful, oh. isn't it? Fabulous. Yes, I've had, had a few of those. And then Dominic Rabb saying, has, uh, has, 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 the, has the bombing, uh, has that thinned out the crowds at the airport yet? I mean... I should rather imagine it has... I, so, it, <laughs> I should rather imagine it has... Literally. Diminished probably the numbers somewhat. Yeah, a few of them, a few less probably. Um, uh, yeah... Um, Pantomime. I can't imagine. I mean, the two of them are just so detached, like, and that they're represented the rest of them. They're just so detached from everything, you know. 
uh, from reality, basically, and what's going on. They're just having having fun. They're down for a photo op and, you know, bump elbows, COVID. Pretend to care. Elbows, pretend to care. But, the but then they can't even pretend to care properly. And they ask, they say inappropriate things, say stupid things that expose the fact that, that they don't give a shit. Has, it, well, has, did, has the bombing thinned out the crowds at the airport yet? It's amazing that so many of them stayed. Yes, yeah, remarkable that people after a bombing, I certainly wouldn't stay if there was a bombing. And, you know, if I had my leg blown off, I wouldn't be staying. They must that. really, really love freedom. Yeah, they must want really here. want to come here. And well, I can't blame them. There's, there's two levels to this. On the one hand, oh my God, these people, I, they can't even act compassionate properly, right? Right. But the fact, they have the fact of compassion to back them up because they've been airlifting, I mentioned 120,000, I think 100,000 of those are Afghan claimants. They've been airlifted to Britain, right. to the US, to Germany. So they're not psychopathic in the sense that they're not doing something for people who want to get out. No. But their motive for doing that yeah. is not is not clear at all. For example, the Taliban, they have been completely cooperative on this front. Yeah. But their messaging throughout the last two weeks is, we would prefer if people did not leave. Right. Specifically, and one of them said this, I think the, the English-speaking guy at the press conference, we're, we're, getting, we're undergoing a brain drain here. Right. Our best brains are leaving this country. Mm-hmm. We need them to stay and help we build. That's a preference, but we're not going to stop anyone. Right. So, and then he went on to say that so much of what's going on here in the capital is unfounded hysteria. Mm-hmm. Those people leaving are fleeing in terror of an image of the Taliban. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was justified by- 20 years ago, but whatever. It's been sustained by the West. So they're plugged into CNN in Kabul, and then from their perspective, just like a Western perspective, the horde is coming, oh my God, I have to get out of here. And I think that's what they didn't anticipate, hence people falling out of planes in the sky. Mm -hmm. They're all, we've seen by by their actions, they don't mind them getting on the plane. We'll take as many out as we want. Mm -hmm. But there was such hysteria and such terror among the quote-unquote Kabul elite Mm -hmm. that they were willing to risk their lives to fall out of planes, mm-hmm. to get to the freedom land. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking in a way. And uh, the plot just thickened. Uh, RT just reported U.S. airstrikes upon a "quote unquote" suicide vehicle approaching Kabul airport. Mm. And another viewer says, "Yes, one child is dead as a consequence." Very good. Yeah. So <sighs> the transition. How does that happen? You know. Um, as as the Americans leave this momentous occasion, as they leave after twenty years occupation of Afghanistan, something happens in order to justify continued U.S. military uh, attacks on the country. At the moment, tw- imagine twenty years of occupation, and you're like, finally, they're gone. Everybody in the country who's some kind of a nationalist Taliban or whatever who wants the Americans out, or ISIS, uber nationalist. Finally, they're gone. Just let them go. No, let's not. Let's do something that justifies them staying in, in some capacity and justifies more attacks on our country. The Taliban said in response to the drone strike that supposedly killed the ISIS guy that they immediately identified and were able to kill him. Uh, the Taliban said this is an aggression against our country. Mm-hmm. But apparently ISIS doesn't mind aggressions against uh, Afghanistan. It doesn't mind putting a target on, on, supposedly on their heads by America, doesn't mind giving America more justification to stay in the country and bomb the country. 
What does that make ISIS? They couldn't wait until America left fully and give it a few months before doing whatever they wanted to do, if they want to attack the Taliban or take over the country, whatever. They want to attack America, and Americans don't want to kill 13 soldiers before they can leave. What do they think America's going to do in response to killing 13 Marines? They're going to bomb the country more. They're going to decide what their targets are and keep on bombing. And they're going to use that as justification to continue doing it, to continue doing that. So ISIS wants America to stay in Afghanistan is the only conclusion. Right? Right. So what does that make ISIS? Clearly allied ideologically with the United right. States and British governments. You cannot escape no that conclusion. No brainer. You cannot escape that conclusion. No brainer. Biden is, uh, you know, to the wall for the last two weeks from left, from right, from neocon, from never Trumpers. Like I said, everyone is like, WTF is going on there. Biden, where are you? Get out, get him out here and get him to talk. Tell us what's going on. He gets a beautiful moment after Thursday. He gets to stand up Hollywood script. We will hunt you down. But George Bush types up. Mm. We'll hunt you down. We'll, we never forgive. We never forget. To go on the it's offensive. It's a pantomime. He, was, he gets that moment. Yeah. He, he, he was From on, ISIS. He was on the retreat. He was basically he was being attacked. Yeah. And then he's able to turn it around, thanks to ISIS, to, uh, uh, to turn it around into a ta- an attack moment and a kind of leadership moment and a strong man moment. Uh, yeah, whatever. It's just so... If I can suggest another reason. We, it's the first one that popped in our head when we saw the breaking news on Thursday. Let's assume the reality of withdrawing from a country is long-term. It takes time. There's a lot of people, a lot of material. Once the wheels are in motion, you don't just turn on a dime because ISIS, in quotes, gave you justification for turning the juggernaut back. So the juggernaut isn't going back. No. There's some capacity in which it stays. But at the level of optics and information... What was the first thing that we thought of? For me, it was, <clears throat> we're leaving all right. But we're leaving with this, thanks to ISIS. Thank you, ISIS. With our heads held high, with some honor restored, we, the noble ones who tried in vain to bring you freedom and democracy, we're leaving. And on the way out, you're blowing up our Marines, mm. you savages. Mm. That's the general message. Mm. The, the ISIS-K distinction, Taliban, which Taliban? Uh, your, your Western audience is just like, whatever, they're all Muslims. Do you remember the guy, like, notorious, um, interviewed in the run-up to the Iraq war? Uh, he goes, well, they can turn the Middle East into a glass parking lot for all I care. Like, just nuke them all, that kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. If they can just get that message, I think that actually still has traction to a lot of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As we leave, nobly, mm-hmm. the savage remains savage. Yep. And off we go flying into the sunset. Yep. That kind of – it's on our way out, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, but we're also – That may st- be the simplest. Maybe. But I think they're also going to stay like, you know. And again, turning it – like, I mean, th- there was a big movement. There was a big – a lot of – anger and frustration at the Biden administration from the military, from the rank and fine military, because oh, yeah. of what, what was it for for 20 years? Right. Well, what do you do? You attack the military, kill 13 other soldiers, and turn the anger from the Biden administration back onto the muzzies. Right. Pretty well, simple. Uh, simple. Along simple lines, there was point. a lieutenant colonel in the Marines, I think. We don't have a, I don't have anything to show up, but Stuart Schiller, I think. He's been fired after he posted a video on Facebook mm-hmm. questioning the, the ass-backward way in which they left, um, mm-hmm. the danger put 
distributed and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, he's really angry. Now, in the end, he's he's not thinking clearly because he's angry at who whoever made these decisions high up in military mm -hmm. command and in in government. Mm -hmm. Why did you do this? You put us in danger. And he's emotional because he's just heard the news that 13 Marines have been killed. Mm -hmm. um, but he's he's not thinking clearly because they weren't, apart from that atrocity, they weren't really in danger. It's a remarkable, like I said, it's been a remarkably peaceful transition and departure and evacuation yeah. operation. Well, he's thinking about the 2,000 plus that were killed over the past 20, 20 years, Okay, he's right? thinking back, yeah. You know, so it's the whole kind of like uh, effort and, you know, he's thinking in terms of we went there to, we sacrificed 2,000 plus of us, sacrificed our lives, so my, my, my brothers sacrificed their lives in order to bring freedom and democracy and we didn't, we just gave it back to the people that we were meant to, meant to be fighting against and we, we, we've made no progress basically, it's, it's, we're at square one, what, so what did we all die for, what did those 2,000 plus die for? And the answer is, shut up, ISIS just killed 13 of your friends. Yeah, <laughs> it's and so he's been crass, tired. like you know, it's so crass. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. Quick word on COVID. Not that thing. That COVID thing. How's it going? The COVID thing. Well, I'll sum up. How's it going with COVID? And obviously, we all know vaccine mandates are being pushed more and more. They're making a good effort to try and get everybody vaccinated through through coercion basically I mean it's funny how people say it's not mandatory yeah. vaccination it is mandatory vaccination if your <laughs> employer says and it's all in lockstep yeah well if your employer says you're not getting uh, you're going to be fired from your job if you don't get vaccinated that's mandatory vaccination yeah so let's not uh, mince our words here let's not quibble over over semantics you know it's mandatory vaccination and they're trying to do it by, by one way or another but yeah that was the tactic for the last several weeks in the US they would lean on employers to get their staff to do it. But this week there was a new element. In the US, they introduced what Macron decreed for France in July. It is out and out mandatory vaccination for all healthcare workers right. in yeah. some states. Or you lose your job. Yeah. Your so it's not, mandatory vaccination brings up, you know, in, in the strict term, definition of it means that you will be legally forced, i.e. the police will come to your house and tie you down and or you'll be taken somewhere and... Uh, and vaccinated, that's what, you know, mandatory vaccination, you'll be, or, or you'll be put in prison. There'll be fines, or, or not just fines, there'll be, you'll have a criminal record. You'll go to prison if you don't get vaccinated. That's mandatory vaccinations. And they say, oh, we're not doing mandatory vaccinations. That would be totalitarianism. We're just going to stop you uh, going to bars, restaurants, and lots of other places living a normal life. And we also may threaten you, or threatening you that to, to, to that you'll be fired if you don't get vaccination. So that's not mandatory vaccination. What do you call it? I don't know, you have to come up with a new word for it. But it's the same in essence anyway. So yeah, justification for it is at this point zero. Uh, there is no justification for mandatory vaccination. So we'll just go to number on the photo scouting number one. Four points that destroy, absolutely destroy. And these are all, this is follow the science people. Four points that destroy the argument for vaccinations or for pushing vaccinations on, on everybody because it's somehow necessary. Number one. Double jabbed, i.e. when you've been vaccinated, you carry the same viral load of COVID as unvaccinated. That's study. That's just one study. This is from, uh, note, note the date, 19, 19th of August. There's other studies that are, that are confirming this. It's pretty much a done deal now. When you're vaccinated, you have as much of the virus 
in you as anybody else, anybody who's not vaccinated. Number two is vaccinated people with breakthrough infections can spread the Delta variant, which is the main, which is the COVID right now. So if you're vaccinated, not only do you have as much, carry as much of the virus in you as unvaccinated, but you also spread it. Uh, and in fact, other studies show you spread it more than unvaccinated people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number three. Yeah. That's from July 30th. I think yeah. pretty clear now. It's, it's just worse if you're vaccinated. You're worse if you're vaccinated. Third one, Israeli study, natural immunity gives better protection than COVID shot. It's a study of like 700 plus people, and it's not the only one. A study based on Maccabi Health Theta finds that natural immunity based on prior infection offers considerably better protection than two doses. How many people have had COVID around the world at this point? Nobody has ever told me or mentioned it, or I can't find it anywhere. Anybody, obviously, they're not going to be able to go around the world and find every find find out how many people have been exposed to, to this virus. But in previous years, with 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 flu virus and stuff like that, they always estimate. They can do a decent estimate. So the estimate would undoubtedly at this point be be, be well over half of the world world's population who have natural immunity, which is better than vaccination, according to this study and others. And the fourth one is a link. New University of California, San Francisco study. Vaccine-resistant viruses are driving breakthrough COVID infections. So they're not just as bad as, they're the primary reason for for the continuation of the pandemic right so when you're vaccinated you have as much of you you carry much as much of the virus as unvaccinated you transmit more of the virus likely than the unvaccinated you have less immunity from the to the delta variant than the unvaccinated and you are the one as a vaccinated person who is driving the continuation of breakthrough Mutations and infections, breakthrough, breakthrough infections as a result of mutations through the vaccination campaign. You are taking part in the process of continuing the pandemic. So, for the so how do you justify vaccinating anybody w with that data? You can't. There is no justification for it whatsoever. And yet they roll it out and roll and it out. And then they just carry they on. They ignore younger. all of that data and they, just carry on and say, get vaccinated just because. Why don't you just get vaccinated? Can't you just get vaccinated? If you just get vaccinated, it would be... There, it's almost like governments have passed over the propaganda, their propaganda on this topic to many members of the public who have, been, who have spent the past 18 months being duped, lied to, terrified into a situation where they, they have this ridiculous belief about this virus. And they're the ones who are pushing government propaganda now for the most part. People in the community who are, who are just on Twitter, on social media and talking to each other and saying, yeah, if you just get vaccinated, everything will be better. And it's so inane and so stupid. I and know. these people have so such a limited ability to, to understand anything or to figure anything out themselves. They're just repeating bullshit government propaganda over the past 18 months that they've accumulated in their brains. And it's all false. And they don't care. And I don't know what to do about it. But I would say... <laughs> Drink some tea. Keep calm and kill zombies. Metaphorically, of course. Um, 
one of my favorite Fox popular popular propaganda tropes is for the vaccinated today's Sunday. Yep. For everyone else, there's a pandemic going on. Yep. As we've just shown, it's actually the opposite. Right. Like, it is the opposite. Except, so. it's the opposite in reality, except in practice, what they're trying to do is make the vaccinated the second-class citizens. Oh, sorry, the unvaccinated are the second-class citizens, right? It's not, if, if you're unvaccinated, it's not just Wednesday for you or Sunday for you. It's... You can't go to a restaurant, you can't go to a bar, you can't go to a museum, you can't go to the movies, you can't go to a concert, uh, and um, you might lose your job. That's certainly not just Sunday for the unvaccinated. In reality, it is from the point of view of a health threat, it's like any other day. You're fine, you shouldn't worry, you, sh you can give up in, if in your own head, you're doing it very good, you should be, have no fear and no concerns whatsoever about this virus. And if you're in that position, very good. It's like any other Sunday or any other Wednesday or whatever for you. But in terms of actually living your normal life, your problem is you have governments attempting to institute a kind of apartheid in society where they separate you out and deny you civil liberties. Um, sorry if I'm being super obvious, no duh, but does that mean now that the data is – it's, it's – Common knowledge-ish, I suppose, that the data has swung around in favor of the argument against pushing these vaccines. Yes. In the opposite direction, the vaccines are being pushed harder than ever. Now they yep. want to vaccinate infants. Well, notice, yeah. Does this, it begs the obvious question, do they know this? Well, assuming they do know this. They don't care. They don't they've got care. an agenda. Their agenda was always to vaccinate as many people as possible. And in some European countries, but, in some countries around the world, there's 90% of the, of the population have been vaccinated with, a, with one or two shots. But is that the agenda or yes. is medical apart the apartheid-type division of society the agenda? No, Do I they actually care about the vaccines getting into the bodies yes. through the needles that yes. much? Uh, maybe and once you reach 90%, once they reach 90%, that's where they'll kind of like back off on it. 90%. It has to be 90%. I'd say so. What, what is, what is the holy as, grail? Is there any kind as of... As many as possible. Nothing is said. They won't justify it, but can you deduce any kind of scientific rationale for why no, there's 90% no, it's, is... it's not about science. It's just got to be 90% or money. something like that. It's money and control of the population and, and forcing them to get a, get a vaccine because you want them to... For the overt politicians, who are, uh, the, the average politician who's pushing this, the ones who have a bit of power, uh, you know, a bit of influence and are pushing it, they're doing it for, for financial... Uh, who know anything about it are doing it for financial gain. Uh, most of the rest of them, which is most of them, uh, are duped, are idiots. They just believe the narrative that if you uh, if you get vaccinated, then it's all going to be over. But the ones further up who know what's going on, they're doing it for financial financial uh, motives uh, and also for control. I mean, they all enjoy uh, getting the population to do what they say they would, what they tell them to do. I mean, that's a, a kind of a, a demagogue's. Uh, you know, uh, you know, dream is to uh, to be in a position where you can hand out orders to the population and micromanage they, and they follow lives. them to the letter. Yeah. yeah. So uh, people, it's bizarre that people like reject that idea. You know that that because they know people in their own lives who like to get people to do stuff for them. You know who like 
kind of strong arm people or threaten people or manipulate people in some way or other to get them to do something. They really don't like. They really don't like it whenever you tell them no. You know, when you say no to someone or you say no to such a person, they get really angry. Don't say no to me. Uh, they know people know that character type from from their lives. They've come across them, but for some reason, you're not allowed to. For, to, to say or suggest that that and these people won't accept that that could possibly be true for members of, uh, of the political class that they have that same character defect let's say where they enjoy manipulating and controlling other people and getting other people to do what they say, say, say what they tell them to do bizarre it's a bizarre uh, weird bizarre you know brain freeze or inability to think clearly or even inability to think yeah. in very simple basic ordinary terms people just can't do it it's i mean we know why we've talked about it before but how many people are kind of like very immature and very dependent on government and need to see government as being benevolent at a benevolent force in their life and always doing you know something whatever they do it's in the interest of the population and it's, it's remarkable is it seems to be stronger than the self self-preservation yeah. they seem to be prepared to actually die well, they don't believe they're lied to, and they don't to know. Push they don't know if they're going to die. If they thought they were going to die, they they might they might push back a little well, bit. But they're told it's more it's more and more clear that it's dangerous to to vaccinate. Well, not for the vast majority of people. Is I mean, there are there are people who the survivors of someone who's been vaccinated and who died two days after, and have been told the vaccine probably did it. Yeah. They say, "Oh, I'm so I'm so grateful that he was vaccinated because it could have been so much yeah, worse." Yeah, there are worse. actually people saying that. Yeah, what's going? On? That's why I suggest that the they're actually prepared to sacrifice themselves. It's it's, it's well, stronger people, well, than, people, than they need to, to, to preserve their livelihood. To, to, yeah, to but life. I don't think that people who are getting vaccinated don't think they're going to die. They don't think they're going to have any kind of negative reaction. I mean, they, no, they, but the others around him weren't spooked by it. They doubled down. Yeah, because they believe they lie to themselves. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's not them anyway. They're not the ones who are dying, right? It's the person who died who's dying, and they might have something different to think. If you could contact contact the dead afterwards, contact the vaccine dead afterwards, and ask them. <laughs> Will you, Can we would do you, that? Yeah, would you? Yeah, let's have a thing. Let's have a sounds. That's a questionnaire. And, yeah. So. Um, I, yeah. I suspect they might because, you yeah, know, when they die, sure. if they have no more knowledge than they did at the point that they did when they died, mm. you might find the dead say, actually well, it was a good idea. Be, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, but I'm, certainly most people who are getting vaccinated don't think that they're going to die when they get vaccinated. You know, it's not, it's not at right. that point. They don't believe that they're, going to, that they're going to seriously harm their health or die from getting vaccinated. They think they're going to get because, again, they believe that what the government says and that the government says this is good. It's it's good. It'll save your life. It'll do exactly the opposite of that. It'll it, it won't kill you. It'll protect you, and uh, and it'll also mean that we can go back to normal. And a lot of people are getting vaccinated because they want to travel. So many people say that they got vaccinated. They didn't really want to, but they did because they wanted to travel. They wanted to get on a plane more easily or go somewhere more easily. Um, so whatever. Um, it's pretty pretty sad state of affairs, you know. And it's sad to be among the relatively few people in the population who are how many. 10%? 10. Okay, I like 10. About 10% of the population. 10 still a sizable chunk of people. It is, yeah, but relatively other than um, the good 700 thing about, million globally, yeah. something like that. Well, the good thing is that even though it's small compared to the other 6 point, you know, or whatever it is, if it's 800 million and, you know, 7.2, 7.2 billion who are in the other 90% who are just non-thinking, I mean, it's you can feel quite, you know, small in that respect. Uh, relatively, but um, you should also remember that the, the the thinking ability of those of that ten percent 
is probably much greater oh, yeah. than the ability, the collective ability of the uh, yeah. of the other ninety percent who clearly just don't really think very deeply about anything at all uh, and are afraid and don't have a lot of capacity to act independently uh, for themselves and find creative and, and solutions yeah, and cre- in, in yeah. crises and difficulties. Yeah. yeah. So uh, even though it's only ten percent, um, it's still yeah, like you said, a lot of people and they're. Uh, you know, their their the impact they have is 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 disproportionately large to, uh, to to their numbers. I would say in terms of their resolve and their ability to to, to stand up and, and say no. You know, so yeah, there's hope. There's hope for sure. And terrifying th- times, but yeah, there are others like you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, and I think things will progress. Things will change. We're not going to stay in this uh, COVIDian nightmare for too much longer. I don't think. Uh, uh, Joe, you've been saying that since April last year. No, I haven't. <laughs> that, no, but uh, I think no, I think. But the reason there's a caveat with that, which I think is that the effects of what they've done over the past eighteen months, or maybe by the time something changes, it'll be two years in the next March or something. But by the time something new comes along to wipe away COVID, it'll be something that's a result of those two years yeah. of completely destructive. Uh, policies pushed by government on the population, on society, on the economy, and that's going to have some pretty significant blowback uh, in some pretty un- not nice ways uh, that I think will make COVID uh, the last thing anybody is concerned about. So that's my hopeful. <laughs> that's well, when I say I there's hope. hope. I'm sick of it. That's when I say there's hope. Uh, it's not really the I'm kind sick of hope of it. you might all expect. These, but all these problems, like look, what we, we spent 20 years trying to alert people to the real problems that are either acknowledged by the media but distorted or not acknowledged at all. Mm -hmm. And then people's attention is finally grabbed over a phantom threat. It's just infuriating. It's it's like... And worse still, they preempted one of our ideas, which is that, you know, there could be a, a return of a Black Death type situation. And that would be something to to think, consider about, and to protect your health against the yep. pos- possibility of such. We've yep. been saying that for years and years, and then it gets preempted by a phony. In terms of its effects, mm-hmm. it's claimed there can be a black death like plague, mm-hmm. but really, it's just down here with the flu. <sighs> pretty, pretty nasty. It's hard to not see how it's all, you know, orchestrated from somewhere. Even if it's only, I'm not saying it's orchestrated like a la conspiracy theories or whatever, some cabal no. getting together. But rather, there that. seems to be, it's orchestrated in the sense of some, like a, like a, a mass mind delusion or a, yeah. a collective kind of unconscious, you know, kind of hysteria that goes on. And, and, and that's what gives it the, the, the appearance of the sense of being, you know, uh, orchestrated. Because in effect, it is being orchestrated by that 90% of the human population who are acting like dumbasses. Yeah. If everybody acts like a dumbass together, then it looks like they're all being they're all being told what to do, right? No, they're all just feeding off each other, and they're all just responding to the same stimuli or the same, uh, you know, trauma or whatever or conditioning, whatever they're in the same subject, subjected wise. to. They're all programmed in the same way, and it looks concer- like a concerted uh, or a, a, a coordinated um, maneuver, but. It's just group psychology, I suppose. That's why the hive mind analogy works yeah. very well. And there might be something literal to that. I mean, they, it's, it's talked about in serious biological terms for like yeah. wasps and bees and ants yeah. and so on, uh, swarm-like activity 
yeah. how a hive works. Yeah. Each individual seems to know its part, and yet the part it's playing is no awareness that it's, what it's synchronized doing. with yeah. this greater whole. And that's the thing everybody has to do. Everybody listen to this, and all the people out there need to just guard themselves against being infected by that kind of group hysteria, group mind kind of thing, and not get not get pulled into it. And you know, reassert to yourself every day the the facts of of, of the case, the facts of the situation, and, and you know, get in contact with like minded people who 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 can do the same thing, and you you support each other and reinforce each other in that kind of objective reality in the reality based community. You maintain your position in in, in that by by reinforcing it with with other people of like mind, you know. So yeah, um, I think we'll call it quits for today. It's been about an hour and a half. Uh, thanks for any. Uh, we have any questions? The Danish government announced Friday they will drop all code restrictions. Yeah, I saw that. Um, that's something to wait wait and see on. It's. Uh, I mean, uh, hopefully it'll do. It, it, it'll happen and. I, I hope even more so that it will have an effect on other European countries and other countries around the world as an example. But I think we need a few more countries to do the same thing um, to, to, for that to kind of catch on, you know. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, to see what the fall and the winter, the flu or the virus season brings. Um, because obviously that's a prime opportunity to push the whole, you know, People are dying and uh, people, hospitals overwhelmed and you need to get vaccinated. It's a prime time to do that. I mean, they've been doing it up the wazoo over the summer. Like You mentioned 2022 because the Australians are building quarantine yeah. camps. So it's going to go on for another year. Well, just because they, they want to. They want to keep it going for another year. But like I said, I think they're so clueless that they don't foresee the effects of what they have done so far. Right. And that, that's going to, those chickens are going to come, come home to roost relatively soon and put pay to their to their grand plans but again it's not going to be good for it's not going to be good it's just going to be a, 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 the next stage in the in the generalised shit show that we're seeing right now uh, into another another different uh, area of it you know um, but yeah we just have to wait and see and but you know at all at all points at all times we you know we, we keep our head about us and uh, we don't fall into the to the hysteria and we we uh, act with as much objectivity and perspicacity as, as we can and stop listening to Tony Fauci. And mock him instead. Yeah. Meme. Meme, meme Tony Fauci. That's the way to do it. Meme your way through <coughs> the shit show. Uh, yeah. So thanks for um, <laughs> any more. Brentley's told you what to say next. Hit that like button. Subscribe. Do all the things. Yeah. Do all the things. <laughs> especially all the things. Do all the things. Will Sleepy Joe get impeached? No. Unless he, his health gets in the way, uh, which it might do. That's a kind of unknown, but uh, I don't, well, I don't think he'd get impeached, no. I think they've, they've pulled his bones out of the fire on this one with their, uh, on the Afghanistan thing with the ISIS attack and stuff, I think. And there may be more coming in that respect to try and distract away from the food war that was the, 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 the evacuation from uh, Kabul. There may be more ISIS attacks and all that kind of stuff to to take attention away from that, but um, we'll see. I don't think he's going to get impeached. No, he might have to leave, but then you've got Kamala, Kamala Harris, Kamala, the hysterical nut job that she is. Uh, that would be she would be a fun president. Presidents don't matter. The first with, female sure, president. Does everybody know this that the presidents don't matter? The White House knows pretty much bugger all. 
knows nothing about what's going on. Joe Biden and the way they he's acting. It's not, it's not that Joe Biden was sleepy Joe and he's, he's, he's half dementia. He doesn't know what's going on. It's not any president. Obama would be would have been in the same situation. He would be facing the same situation if, if he was president. The White House doesn't get told. They get told after the fact. They're the last to know in a lot of these important issues that come up uh, or important events that transpire. They find out afterwards and they're told, listen, just go and kind of, uh, you know, Talk about this and read this and say that. And if there's any problems, any shit to take for it, then you take it because you're the president. That's your job. We pay you to basically be the front man to kind of take the flack for the stuff that we do behind the scenes. So everybody should understand that it doesn't really matter who's in the White House. It kind of did matter when Trump was there. And the reason Trump was attacked incessantly for four years was because he decided that he wanted to actually do what it says on the description of the the job description which was i'm the commander chief i get to make decisions about important things and he tried to do that and they went eh no did you obviously yeah you're not a washington insider but you don't get to do that and he said yeah i do and they said no you don't and he said yeah I do and they said we'll see <laughs> and then you got like dodgy dossier russian collusion impeach him all sorts of Chuck Schumer told him six ways from Sunday. Six ways from Sunday to get back at you, intelligence agencies. So, yeah, uh, it doesn't really matter who's in the White House at the end of the day. So, yeah, let's just keep uh, keep around the ball and we'll be back next week with another show um, on whatever's happened between now and then, which will probably be something and you never know. Uh, it could be big, could be small, but we'll be talking about it. So, yeah, thanks for listening, watching, commenting, talking, like, subscribe, all those things, as Brent says, and uh, we'll be back next week. Until then. Bye. See you next week. Bye, everyone. Can't stop the signal now.